and welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we got a friend of the show. He is back, a little bit more famous than he was the last time we interviewed him. He has come through, <laughs> done the, the White House Correspondents Dinner. He also apparently is one of the people in the White House press room, I guess. I don't know. It seems like we see you in there falling asleep every now and then. <laughs> every now and then, periodically. But- but none other than Roy Wood Jr. How you feeling, my brother? Man, how you been, brother? Appreciate you for having me back on the program. Not oh, program, I, the program. That's when it's esteemed. No, I, I appreciate that. Uh, what have you been up to that you can talk about since the White House Correspondent Dinner? Because that, that was a success. And then you had Wesley Lowry write that amazing piece about you. And what was that? Washington Post. Yeah. Doing great things. Talk to me. What, yeah. was, what can you talk about? I, dude... Honestly, what's wild is that, and I'm not even messing around, the strike, the writer strike started two days after the correspondence dinner. So Daily Show and all of that shut down. And now we're in an actor strike on top of that. And, you know, they got all the rules on what you can and can't talk about, what you can and can't promote if you're in a, pro- but I ain't got nothing going on, no way. All <laughs> I'm doing is I've just been on the road touring, you know, before the actor strike. You know, they were trying to see what the deal would be with the Daily Show, but the writer strike shut down any negotiations about hosting. I still don't know what the net. I ain't talked to nobody at the network, so I still don't know what that's going to be. But, you know, I've spent this time during the strike just tightening up as best I can on the road, getting back to the, the meats and potatoes, which is just hitting the ground and, you know, going all over the country. So, you know, I've been on this happy to be here comedy tour all summer. That's going to go through the fall. Uh, I take that back. That's gonna go through Christmas. We gonna go. I mean, until it, it got to go longer. You ain't got nothing. You need. You got to go fund me. You want me to advertise or something? <laughs> no, but I will encourage everybody to donate to the Actors Fund or to the Writers Guild Fund because it's gonna be a lot of folks that are on the wrong end of the tax bracket that do that craft. Um, that you know we're gonna be you know trying to get a little bit of money to to make sure that folks can keep the lights on while we try and make right with them. Um, with the studios. Can you tell me, can you tell me the similarities between I've been talking to Ben Stiller and I look forward to lending my platform to both the writers and actors. You know, it seems like there's a lot of overlap in kind of what I do and in, in meeting you guys. And I want to support and stand in solidarity. But what's the Cliff Notes version about the writer strike and and the and the actor strike? And what are the similarities and differences? Um, they're both similar in the sense that the studios want to use AI to outsource some of the work, some of the work, um, that's being done. So instead of a writer writing a script top to bottom, the studio may tell AI, Hey, write me an action movie with 10 explosions and a foreign villain. And then you pass that script off to a writer to punch it up and tweak. Well, then at that point, you're paying the writer less and with actors, and, and there's way more. Of course, it's also residuals. Y'all making way more money off of these shows than you saying, and you ain't splitting the pot fairly. So that's the main issue between both between both unions. But also within that is the erosion and gigification of the occupation. So, you know, there was a there's a concession in one of the um, one of the negotiating points with the Actors Guild about we can scan your face as a background actor and then just add you in CGI style in the background into perpetuity and use your likeness forever and ever. And it's like, wait a minute, dog. You gonna pay me one time, never holler back. And I don't even get a pinch of that down the road. And you know, that's aggressive. 
Yeah, and I think, but the thing that sucks about the writer strike and the acting strike is that I don't believe the general public. I don't believe that this is the type of workforce labor labor dispute that immediately resonates with the general public, because the actors you see and the actors you know represent. Yeah, you know, I've been told it's one percent. Maybe it's five percent. They they represent a small percentile of working actors. Almost ninety percent of actors don't qualify for health care. You got to make twenty six k a year for that, and they don't cover that because people don't see that. People don't see the imbalance, or we don't. Bro, the average actor makes sixty five thousand dollars. That's neck and neck with a school teacher in a big city. Yeah. So this, but the thing about it is that when you look at creative strikes. It is no different than any other person that is going up against a corporation and that the corporation is taking home 98% of the bread and they paying the people who have built their entire empires, they're paying them crumbs. But this isn't like a sanitation strike or a school bus driver strike or a teacher strike. Like those strikes immediately, the pub, the, the general public feels the effects of those strikes immediately because it hits you personally immediately. Your streets start stanking. You are an hour late to work because you got to drive them kids to school. You're going to be a lot more vocal about those issues faster. Whereas with entertainment, I don't think it completely connects with the general public right away. And it takes some time. And I think that's what the studios know. So they're just banking on writers and actors being broken in, coming back to the table, starving. And going, you know, go and give me them crumbs. I'm sorry for asking for a whole piece of the pie. How long do you anticipate this going on? I don't know. That's a question for the union heads who've been like in the negotiating rooms. You know, I've heard everything is as early as September to as late as November. But this is essentially the beginning of of a real serious, real serious issue. I'll give you. I'll give you a really good parallel to this in terms of how this becomes a gateway to automation and other industries. Um, You and I both journalism degreed up. So you and I came up in a time in journalism school where being a cameraman in the studio was a job you trained for. Correct. You learn that job. You learn how to be the cameraman and swing man and, and be a stage manager and run the floor and tell the anchor three, two. The job gone. Ain't nobody on the floor no more. It's the anchor and five remote control cameras. More often than not, those cameras aren't even remote control from people in the building. It's controlled from a whole nother city. So there are some degrees of automation and AI that are going to be inevitable within these respective crafts. But if you're not careful, that will eventually become the new norm, bro. Like it's, (laughs) I told a friend of mine that if you really wanted to make this strike make sense to regular people, we should just call it just the tip. (laughs) Cause that's essentially what this is. That's true. but it's a race, just it's the not a race against the future. Okay, yeah. It's a race yeah. against I, it, it, How much of this is a race against the future versus us dictating and constructing together what the future should be? Correct. And whether or and not regu- everybody. And regulating that future. And how much of the people who are going to be the ones to possibly lose their jobs get to have a say in how an industry evolves and not just the profiteers. Like that's the part that I think is unreasonable and unrealistic is that you don't even get a say. I, I I don't even get a vote in whether or not, because 
in 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 defense of the studios, a CGI crowd is not an uncommon thing. Like if you watch any like sports movie, like in an arena or a football stadium, more often than not, a great example would be 42 with Jackie Robinson. And I only know this for fact because they shot some of it back home in Birmingham where they shot at Rickwood Field and they shot like enough of a crowd, like a like a basic slate of like, say, 500 people. And then they took those 500 people and digitally replicated them throughout the stands. And that's because you can't find 30,000 people on a Tuesday night in Birmingham to come sit outside and watch fake baseball for $12 an hour. Like you just, you're not gonna get that. So you have to have some degree of CGI and AI, but even still, that's just for that one production, that one time. You can replicate my image and make me look like I'm sitting over there too, even though I'm sitting here. But what you're not gonna do is the next three baseball movies, take that footage from 42 and drop my ass in there. That's that's wrong. And you know these Especially these when aren't these studio heads are making three hundred, four hundred million dollars over the last five years. Yeah, and keep in mind that the cut that the writers and actors are asking for is like one percent to two percent of the profits, just to maintain some degree of profitability. Like folks aren't coming and asking for the whole house. We like we ain't even asking for a seat at the table. We just asking for some food out the back door. Can you bring me a doggy bag? I see y'all in there eating good off that food that we harvested and wrote and created for y'all. Is it all right if I can get a plate to go? But and they like, nah. People are going to start feeling this. I mean, you can't watch with so many CSI and Law and Order reruns. Yeah, I mean, but I, I hope that's true. I really do hope that's true. I think at some point in the fall, when people get back into their traditional regular TV schedules, and you start missing those scripted shows that they don't that they should be shooting right now but aren't hopefully people will be vocal about that but will they be as vocal about it as we are with more common labor strikes that we see that we're a little bit more familiar with as a society you know acting and writing is not seen as blue collar work because you don't necessarily sweat while you're doing it but it pays blue collar less than in terms of cost of living. And the only reason I think it hasn't been as vocal as of late in terms of cost of living is because they at least allowed writers rooms to become mobile and allowed, you know, during COVID, they simply, they kept the remote model after COVID and allowed, right? Okay, well, you don't have to be in LA. You can stay where you live and we'll just get on Zoom for 12 hours and write the show. And so writers were able to kind of spurl away a little bit of money, but even with that, it's still not sustainable because you're also the, the another another issue is that you look at the amount of episodes that you are employed for. Back in the good old days of television, you knew you was getting an eight month lit. When you got hired for a show, you knew you was gonna be writing about twenty episodes to take you about eight, nine months to write all of those episodes, right? Let's say six, seven months. Well, now you get hired, you might get hired for a show for two months, because y'all only doing ten episodes or eight episodes. And now you got to find your next check real fast because the turnover of shows is fast. So I'm not making 20 episodes worth of money every year. So them eight episodes that you taking and making God knows how much money on, but we don't know how much because you won't tell us the ratings and you won't tell us the real revenue. You got to break me off a little bit more, fam. We can't keep calling digital media new media. You know, like the, the only thing I can compare it to is... Imagine 
imagine if you worked in a restaurant and your salary is your salary. And then the owner of your restaurant just starts adding more and more expensive stuff to the menu. And then you start looking at the prices on the menu and the menu prices are going up. And now there's white tablecloths on the tip, but you're still making the same money. But you're doing the math in your head. I know you're making a lot of money. And yeah, you agreed to the rate of pay that you agreed to. But when it's time to renegotiate your salary, hey, man, I can't help but notice that y'all ain't just selling chicken wings no more. I noticed that y'all got an $80 porterhouse on the menu. Mm-hmm. Well, you say you give me a bump since you're making more money. And so I think that's that's the real issue, man. And I just think it's going to get, you know, it's going to get very contentious. And I think, you know, this is the type of labor dispute where I think eventually the general public comes on board with the same type of, you know, they'll be as adamant as the writers and the actors are. But I just think it's going to take a minute, you know. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at Viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Well, prayers up for the writers, the actors, and shout out to the Waffle House employees that are unionizing and striking now as well. For That's the other thing, bro. And, and security. Thing, Waffle House is with y'all too. They, they out there too, just the FYI. Yeah. And, and so this isn't just about writers and actors. We are at a turning point in terms of what is a fair wage for an American and how long will you allow corporations to just strip people down to their bare bones of their soul with no health care during rising health care costs. Was it UPS? They're waffling on striking. Pilots at United Airlines have been waffling on striking. So this idea of groups of people banding together and going, hey, we want more money. I that is definitely something that's spreading nationwide. And that is not something that's just inclusive to actors and writers. Let me ask you about coming out of this whenever we get there, if we can actually visualize it. What does, I mean, the Daily Show, for example, I mean, coming after a strike with a new host, how do you rebuild something that is just a, I mean, you had to rebuild with Trevor slightly, but how do you rebuild something that is such a value added to our political discourse? You know, I don't know, bro. Like, like, I feel like I can't even speak to the Daily Show 
right now, but what I will speak to is just the state of late night. And I think that there's going to have to be something that I think that there's going to be something that has to be cheaper to produce. I think they are for sure going to be looking at ways to do television cheaper because no matter what happens on the other side of strike, studios got to pay more money. And if they're going to have to pay more money, they're going to start shortcutting. Another thing that they're doing, this is the other slick shit that I'm sorry for cussing. I know you got to. Oh, no, we curse on this show. It's probably, well, let me tell you about this bullshit right here, motherfucker. Um, the other slick thing that's starting to happen is they are putting actors in fewer episodes of shows. And so that's also in response to budget cuts, you know, like your average television show. Let's take let's take Martin. Martin is a great example. Martin is a show with four series regulars. You got Martin Cole, Tommy Pam, you know, Tashina, Tommy Ford, Carl Anthony Payne, Tashina Arnold. No, that's five. Is that four? That's five. No, that's, that's five. four. Well, you just called the same name twice. It's four. Yes. OK, yeah, yeah. OK, so. Those four actors are the series regulars. They are paid a hefty sum of money to be in every single episode of the show. What the networks, if Martin was on now, what the networks would do is say, okay, we can't be paying all this money to make all four of y'all be in an episode. So here's what we're going to do. Martin, Gina, y'all be in all 20, y'all be in all 10 episodes. Tommy, Pam, y'all going to be in three or four episodes each. Tommy, Pam, Cole. Yeah, that is five. Tommy, Pam, Cole. So the three of y'all will just be in five episodes out of 10. But we're not going to put y'all, all five of y'all, in the same episode ever again. Well, then that changes how you write the show. That changes the style of the show. That changes the chemistry of the show. And so now if you're a working actor, you're on a show, right? But you're only on for five of 10 episodes. But you don't know which five yet because the writers ain't finished writing. So when you get an offer to go be on another show, you can't do that because your first show has you as first position. That's your main pimp. Your main pimp decide whether or not you can go out and get some side bread. So as an actor, you are still beholden to inconsistent money. And so it's, you know, it's it's little things like that. It's like if your job used to give you 40 hours, now your job is only going to give you 20 hours, but you can't get a part-time job because your first job ain't told you what days of the week your 20 hours going to be. Now, how are you supposed to get 40 hours worth of living out of that? And we talk about the so, cord cutting because we see it over there with CNN and MSNBC and everybody else. I mean, that all the news shows are cutting back. We don't do the same type of coverage we've been doing. We don't have that. I mean, you look around and... You know, I mean, everybody's contract is just not being renewed, et cetera. So the court. Could. And so and I talked about that a little bit at the correspondence dinner, and I probably didn't go as hard as I wanted to, because at that point in the run of my of my performance, I was trying to bring home a point and not be silly. But these newsrooms are cutting local reporters out the ass, bro. Yeah, they're cutting the reporters who cover the most diverse parts of town and cover the real issues that are really affecting people. Those reporters are gone. Then all of these diversity departments that you see that in in entertainment, but that's low key happening across the board in multiple corporations. We are post George Floyd. We, I don't want to say it, but we're approaching a post DEI ideology in a lot of these corporate oh, we've spaces. Already, we've already reverted back. I mean, we we had that inch of George Floyd and then we just overcorrected and went all the way back to Yeah. 19. All right, Negroes, that was some nice little diversity dance we did. Gonna have to send you on your way. We don't have the money to cut pay you anymore. Sorry. 
your union wants more money so we can't have all of these diverse programs so you have all of these places that are cutting black faces out of there and that's going to affect the type of coverage that the media is able to do man so there are a lot of different games let's double back to late night tv what does that look like though how does that change what's what will be new about late night tv I think that late night has to contract in some way. I, I you know, I've, I've talked about this before on another cast um, show, but the idea that James Corden show that CBS replaced it with a game show to me says a lot about what they value. What they value is dollars, not necessarily the format of late night or the idea of having a host interview somebody in a band and a big audience. They fiscally don't want to spend that type of money anymore. So they're going to replace it with At Midnight, which is a perfectly entertaining show. I did it during its heyday, but that show ain't James Corden in terms of budget. You saving a lot of money when you just bring in on three comedians to talk about the issues of the day. And I don't know if that's what the Daily Show will become or whatever new shows, you know, come of this. But, you know, quiet as it's kept, bro. Z-Way's gone. I don't think Sam J is coming back. Uh, to HBO Max, um, these Zamero's already gone. Sam B's gone. Uh, like there've been Omani, so many. Omani's gone. Bye bye. So they've been sniping off a lot of them black faces out of late night and sniping off a lot of costs. So I don't know if there is a show fiscally that a network would green light after the strike that looks like all of the late night shows we've known in the past. I really do think that there is a creative molting that is about to happen. I don't know if they completely know what they want. And I think that's where it's on creatives to figure out what it is and then try and build that for yourself. And that, that just goes, that's not just for me, that's for anybody out there that's even thinking about entering into late night or doing anything within that space. It is wide open because the thing about making something cheap, and I think this is where the networks are going to trip themselves up to a degree, is that if you make it cheap, now it's more competitive for the layman to get in the game. There's a lot of stuff that's on YouTube that gets as much engagement on a daily basis as the ratings of a Corden or Seth Meyers or even The Daily Show. If you can get on the internet, you can get half a million people to watch it. That's what, what you think made Z-Way Z-Way. Z-Way was on IG Live during the shutdown, holding interesting conversations with interesting people. And it resonated to a point that a network said, come on over here and do that over here. We right back to that. Now, what that idea is, I have some I have some thoughts on how I would approach it. Um, I'll tell you that off air because I ain't finna let none of these haters steal my shit. Yeah, I was but, like, no, nah, we're not going. But let me ask you this: two two questions before I let you go and get out of here. So, because so, I'm what I'm saying is, is I'm not sitting around waiting to be chose by anybody. But the question is about yeah, like it's a question like, yeah, you know, per strike, I ain't gonna name no shows, but I'm not gonna wait for any network or anybody to come around and choose me for anything. I'm 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 off self creating, and if you want to run with me, you run with me. To me, the whole equation has changed. The power has shifted. And on the other side of this, I think that creatives will still have a large degree of control because networks do not know how to get an audience. And that's why they don't want to give up the numbers because they know that a lot of these shows is getting all the prestige and all these awards and all the critical acclaim. Ain't nobody watching them. And you're scared to admit that. You're scared to show and prove that you don't know what you're doing 
because one or two things has to happen on the other side of the strike. Either you show us how much money you're really making or you show us how bad you've been lying all these years. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. What does what does comedy look what does comedy look like during this strike? I mean, there are a lot of folk who we saw a, a huge transition or influx of people from this IG community become, I don't want to say become comedians, but have now just kind of merged into that lane. You have individuals as high profile as TI, but you also have like the Jess Hilariouses of the world, the country Waynes of the world. What does the space of comedy look like during this strike? When you're on the road, does it look like you got more people on the bill and in, in, in performing comedy than it did before? I'd say on the white side, I don't I don't think the urban side of comedy has changed because of the strike, because so few minorities are chosen to begin with, to be a part of the system that they're already cooking outside of it. You name T.I., Jess Hilarious and Country Wayne, and none of those three, in my opinion, have always been chosen by the system or have waited to be chosen. Jess was a co-star of a little rail on his Fox sitcom, but even while that was going on, she was still cooking and doing her own thing online to drive her ticket sales. And I'm touring. I talked with the club owners backstage. How's so-and-so doing? How's so-and-so to? How's so-and-so selling? Just hilarious, killing them on the road. Country Wayne been killing them. Country Wayne probably do better numbers than most late night shows on his Facebook page. Yeah. So the strike ain't never bothered him because he already found his tribe. You know, you look at brothers like the 85 South show who just YouTube their way into a Netflix special that just came out last month. 
and I, those brothers. And South. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Chico Bean, Carlos Miller, and of course, DC Young Fly. Those three brothers, they did their thing on Wild and Out, came together, did something separate, and built that online for an audience that wanted something that was specifically for them. So that audience was already being fed, and they never, and, they, and you can't stop feeding them because 85 South was never part of a studio system. So the 85 South show ain't stopped production because of the, the, the strike. They still going out and doing shows, throwing stuff on YouTube and still serving their fan base. So I feel like black comedy isn't going to change that much. If you're funny and you're consistent, people will find you, period. Now, it's a matter of how you graduate that into something else. If you want to do studio system stuff, you can decide later on down the road whether or not you want to do that. I do think that one byproduct of the strike in the bigger scheme of things will be the return of stand-up comedy to television. Um, showcase comedy shows are cheap to make. They're easy to make. Cheaper, um, right? I'm willing to bet money that any studio that can will have a stand-up comedy showcase show before the end of the year. Um, I, If I'm not mistaken, Comic View coming back with Kevin Hart and Mike Epps and them with BET, that was in the works before the strike. Uh, because Kev and their, that whole team and Kev is documented to always cared about new comics and giving them opportunity. He did Heart of the City for three seasons with Comedy Central. So he's always trying to give shine to the highest amount of comedians at one time. I think the Comic View reboot that they just shot in July, I think that'll be a good precursor to bring in Comic View back on a more regular basis until you can get scripted content back on TV. Don't be surprised if Netflix decides to all of a sudden drop some show with eight comedians you don't really know that well. It's because they need content. And that's good for comedy, but it's also proof that y'all ain't got as much in the chamber as y'all said y'all did with content. Comedy's cheap, it's easy, you can shoot it fast. Um, so in that regard, I think comedy, that's one way that comedy changes um, during the strike is that you'll see more opportunities for it on television. The question becomes whether or not the networks can get the exemptions from SAG to actually shoot the programs. Like that's the one thing, because as a comedian, you're technically a performer so it's different from a talk show like you could go on a show and just talk as bakari but if i hire you to perform as bakari that's two different it's two different pay scales so you know i don't know bro i i, I just really think that the creatives that are smart will figure out ways to evolve within the lines and not you know and not die on the vine during this okay. time uh, but, you know, you got to keep the ideas sharp. You have to continue to find ways to reach the people. You know, I'm in a very blessed position and I don't take that for granted. I'm one of the few people in both guilds that are striking and I can still go out and tour yeah. as a headliner because, you know, comedy is really not that different from acting or writing. Ain't no real money at the bottom or in the middle. There's growth and opportunity, but paying your bills is very difficult, especially if you live on the coast. So, you know, I just think that the people that are that are struggling within our respective unions, the ones that have the ability to do something else and keep it sharp, I think that you're going to see a lot of great content come out on the other side of this strike because with stress and pressure that builds diamonds, they say. So, you know, we're going to see a bunch of diamonds in 2024. 
I look forward to it. Well, this is the first interview I had where I literally asked none of the questions that I had written down, but this was a good interview. Man, you want to speed round them? You want to speed round nope, the nope, questions? No, nope. this was good because okay. we were able to dig into an issue that matters to real people. And I think I think this we we need to know about what's going on with people we love and care about. Roy Wood Jr., thank you for joining the Bakari Sells podcast, my brother. Thank you, man. And if you have a favorite show that you love, if you have a favorite actor that you love, reach out to them. Tell them you love them. Tell them you support them. I promise you them words mean a lot. And uh, donate as well. Donate. All right. Thank you, my brother. Be easy. Yes, sir.